This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story continues to be the fires burning in the Amazon. I've, I've heard it on every station. They just can't get enough of it. The, the panic level on Chris Cuomo last night was through the roof. And I, I, a couple of funny things came out of this. One was the guest he had on. I was just listening to it. I wasn't watching it, so I can't remember who it was. I didn't catch the name. He said, this is the, the scariest thing ever. The climate is in a state of complete hysteric panic. You know, this is like, I, I, I don't know how, Chris Cuomo asked him, how much time do we have left? If those bur- fires keep burning, how long do we have left? So uh, I want... One thing the guy said that I just thought was kind of a crazy thing, he said, and unrelated to that, I'm going to get back to that, but what he said, everybody, we, our problems for the future are we need to make sure everyone has enough food, everyone has enough clean water, and every person on the planet is connected to the internet. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what? Those are, that's the new necessity. I mean, it just like blew my mind. But the idea about these super scary fires, I mean, they really have people in a frenzy over it, even to the point where my son, who's as skeptical as I am, reads the newspaper. He's been reading the newspaper since like six years old. It's the wackiest thing. He gets up and he reads the newspaper and he says to me, uh, he said, well, mom, you can't deny these newspaper, these fires are are crazy. They're scary. They're dangerous. And I said, yeah, he's like, there's no, there's no argument against that. The fires are burning. And I had to remember, I told him what my uncle, my uncle was a priest, a missionary priest who spent five years in Brazil. And he was, when the whole thing of rainforests and everything came out, he was not at all ever worried. He said, you don't understand how hard it is for these guys, these farmers and ranchers to beat back the rainforest. They can't, they have to burn that stuff down every year just to keep it from encroaching. That's the big lie. This is the whole story. Oh, that you agree. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know the details that Bolsonaro guy said it was the NGOs starting the fires, but in any case, yeah, you think it's a lie too. It's a total lie to propagate climate change because hurricanes are here and it's climate change season. Oh, gosh, I was cracking up when I heard the CNN guy yesterday. Like, it was hamming it up to the max for this hurricane coming. I just, your words rang in my ears because I was just like, Binkley said this is going to be like his time to shine. And he's going to, these guys are going to like have the wind blowing and you see a big fan in the background like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, the Amazon burns every single year and it's not 20% of our oxygen according to NASA. And they do – this is how you lie with statistics. They say it's been burning 90% more than last year or whatever, but they don't do a comparison over the last 10 years, which is a far more telling statistic, and it hasn't changed much at all. And it showed – the picture I showed that I saw yesterday on the Wall Street Journal, it was like puzzling in itself. I understand it's it didn't tell the whole story, but what it showed was a farmer, rancher, or whatever, somebody – absolutely soaking wet in a tremendous torrential downpour over barren land, land that had been burned. And that in itself can be a little tricky. If they, if it burned because there was a drought, 
And then you have a lot of rainfall. Then you have slides and stuff. We all remember that from when that happened to Atlanta and trees would fall over. So it doesn't tell the whole story, but it is hard. Nobody's telling the whole story, and it is hurricane season. Some of the pictures aren't even recent that they've been showing. Oh, isn't that typical? Yeah. One, One thing that was related to climate that I happened to catch and I just thought was interesting was that they talk about coral reefs dying because of climate change. And it, it really makes me scratch my head because I just don't believe it. And uh, it just doesn't sound right. I like to scuba dive. I, I haven't been in a while, but I like it. I, I really love the reefs and everything. And it makes me nervous. So I just looked into it. I said, I'm much more, I feel like it's much more likely coral reefs die from chemical pollution in the oceans than climate change. Because they like warm yeah, water, yeah. I think, you know, so they should grow, I feel like. But I don't know. It's just a gut. I looked into it and apparently there are 14,000 tons of sunscreen dumped into or absorbed by the ocean, transmitted into ocean waters every year. And it's severely damaging uh, the coral reefs and uh, wildlife there in Hawaii and the Caribbean, which are the important places that are important to us. And I just thought just th- that that they want to blame that on climate change. But in reality, it's probably chemical pollution, which I think is a real problem. Yeah, and they don't address it. No, and they, they mislead us for other things, which just goes to show they've got something else up their sleeves, yeah. inclu- including controlling us through the, these, the Green New Deal. Right, because if they actually address the problem, they might solve it, then they couldn't use this to propagate climate change that's a good point and they don't want it at all and i honestly feel like all the stuff they spray into the atmosphere is part of the problem they're they're like oh we need to spray stuff because of climate change like you know what i only notice these tremendous amounts of like every other day stripes in the sky as we started to actually feel these weird extra humid extra hot heat waves so i believe there's man-made climate change but i think it's those people who are doing it to us yeah so the other the the one another big story that I noticed just as a small story in a lot of different places, but it was on the cover of the Wall Street Journal, front page of the Wall Street Journal, and it was on the homepage of Fox. The the headline on the homepage of Fox was that uh, the White House slams MSNBC for unverified report says says left wing outlets have weaponized the media. So I immediately thought of you, Binkley, because you've been bringing us that yeah. a related story. And then I read on to see that it was actually referring to a story I had already highlighted from the Wall Street Journal, which is that Deutsche Bank said they have tax returns that are responsive to a congressional query into the Trump family. Wow, and again? Yes, and and Deutsche Bank has been in the crosshairs from Epstein and a bunch yeah. of things, and it makes me scratch my head. They've been laying off thousands of people, but we bailed them out to the tune of, I think, $35 billion secretly during the 2008 crash. So they are clearly the chosen ones. I don't know why they're being targeted here, but the scandal, the media scandal, was that on MSNBC, I forget who the... Guy, it was some big guy, was it? Is Scarborough on MSNBC? Yes. It might have been him saying that, uh, or Rachel Maddow was in on it. I, I can't remember who the person who said it was. But they said that that the this 
journalist, this talking head, had one source who said he knows that the the re- reveal out of Deutsche Bank is that Trump had co-signers for his loans and that those co-signers were Russian <laughs> oligarchs. And the White House is like, are you kidding? And then my reaction was his real co-signers, the people who've really bailed him out over the years, were George Soros and the Rothschilds. That would bring down the House of Cards, revealing that. But instead, they're making it this back and forth in the media. Yeah, the back and forth between the left-wing media and what the left-wing are calling conservative trolls who are a loose network of Republican political operatives. They're calling them political operatives as though it's the same type of operation that went on when New Knowledge created all the fake stuff. It's a bunch of guys who are collecting information, who are collecting old tweets from media members, and just like the media does to right-wingers, they are doing to them, and they're publishing the old tweets that might be considered racist or anti-Semitic. And there was one person who worked for the New York Times. where They uncovered an old tweet that is racist, and New York Times, Miami Herald, and every day a new story about this comes out about how outrageous and how wrong it is for these Republicans to be – waging a war on democracy and on the left-wing media by pulling out these old tweets that the journalists themselves tweeted in the past. And they're saying that it's wrong because the journalist's job is to defend democracy and speak truth to power, and that what they're doing is trying to prevent them from doing that, and they're calling it authoritarianism. They're saying that's crazy because that is exactly what they, those actual journalists, are doing to anybody who ever. I mean, times change. That's why you can't take down the statue of Robert E. Lee. I mean, these people are kids when they're tweeting things. They're tweeting things that are okay in the context of their time, whether it's right or wrong. You have to be able. That's why when Trump said, "I want to tear down the barriers of when your 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 records are expunged." Are your mental health records or any kind of any records expunged between childhood and adulthood? This is the kind of thing that'll make people crazy, never say anything. I mean, think of the paranoia and the if you can never ever express yourself, it's not only bad for society, it's bad for the psyche. And this, I think, may ha- may have larger implications. This, yes, this is extraordinary. They compared it. The Miami Herald yesterday. The headline said, conservative trolls allied with the White House looking to kill wrong messenger. Then they went on to do an analogy about how targeting journalists who should be like a protected class is like trying to kill, to murder the messenger. And it went on to say that they are facing – a group of people in an authoritarian regime that are attacking the free press and attacking democracy, and the media needs to step up and fight back. And I'm wondering when we're going to start seeing some legislation come down that floats the idea of it being a criminal act to say anything negative about members of the mainstream media or some sort of licensing required. It's funny because it takes – it kind of turns the First Amendment on its head yeah. in that if you insulate the press from any harm, any wrongdoing or scrutiny, you're actually creating a class of sanctioned media people. You know, it, yep. it takes away the free press. It makes exactly. it an official press. 
Yeah, that's so really look out disgusting. for that. That's there's something going down there. Yeah, that is blowing my mind. Uh, the a couple of other things that that I'm going to talk about in a second. The opioid case and other kind of turning turning on its head. The fact that I, I want to talk about the opioids in a second, but the the fact that once you have a regulatory regime you really control an industry and and the opioid people did have a regulated re- regime and they're still being held responsible for decisions they made within that regime so that's like the flip side of the of of the press issue but i think the press issue seems to me to be in a in a nascent and earlier stage of regulation and this Big Pharma is kind of, I think, about to give birth to a, a whole new stage. But let me just hit on a couple of other uh, news stories, real quick hits here. One is that Anthony Lewandowski, who was involved in a civil suit where he brought from Google to Uber some driverless, some self-driving technology. So the the civil case, I believe, was settled or... It didn't really amount to too much. But yesterday, this guy was arrested for it, for trade secrets, that kind of thing. Getting arrested for business stuff, if it, I mean, I could see if it's stealing. I'm not a big fan of the intellectual property concept, but I'm sure if he stole it, it was a violation of his contract with them. I don't know if violating contracts are rise to the level of crimes. That's kind of weird to me, but I think... At first, I thought this may be uh, Uber's weird because Travis Kalanick is one of these, I thought, was one of the chosen ones of big tech. Like he was a guy that DARPA or whoever picked, like Sergey Brin or Zuckerberg or whatever. They picked these guys. They These guys are all somehow vetted. And Kalanick was always a jerk, supposedly, but only at a certain point was he where did people want blood? Were they trying to get rid of him? And he would not go. He did not go until his mother died in a weird accident. Very weird detail there. She was in a boat, driving a boat, and for some unknown reason, the wheel turned hard to the right, and she died. So only then did he step down. But I went to look back and tried to find where the beginning of calls for his resignation came in, and it happened right around the time that Operation Grayball of Uber was discovered where Uber was intentionally foiling government agents from from surveilling Uber drivers. And they were any time they could see regulators trying to get information. And then another thing is that Grayball could, per, had a tremendous amount of data and surveillance that they were not sharing, if I got that right. That detail is a, a little harder to come by. But I believe that was part of it. And so when... So when that started happening, I said, oh, Kalanick, he's rogue. He's not, he's, not, he's not cooperating like he's supposed to. No wonder they had to get rid of him. That was just my take on it. And I wondered if this guy's arrest tied into that. But then it looks like, and I always thought he was an inside job, this guy, that he came from Google to Uber just to keep, keep a little blackmail in the background, like, you'll go down because I did take this stuff over. You didn't know it, but here it is on my computer. I just stuffed it in there So as, a, as an Easter egg in case we need it against you. But I don't know. I have no evidence for that. But it looks like this criminal case seems to me that the upshot would be that it's a way to get 
information out of Uber into the public record. A lot of times that court records aren't always sealed. Maybe it has trade secrets. I don't know. Maybe they would be sealed. But the sense I get is that this is a pretext for getting information. And mm. that's where I think that, the upshot of that is. And then there was one other thing that I thought was relevant uh, that this guy, remember when we talked last week, I think about three young guys who were, who red flag laws were executed against because of stuff that law enforcement said they had said on social media. Yeah. Remember those stories? Yeah. And one of them, you and I both highlighted as saying the guy Warshall in Connecticut, they weren't even his guns. It was his father's guns. They came in and took his father's guns away. Yeah. Well, then you sent me something and so did Dean. You sent me that Andrew Cuomo just aggressively announced that red flag laws were coming to New York. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then Dean said that in Connecticut that the dad was like, I, yeah, this kid's a, uh, you know, he said stupid things. I get that, but these are my guns. I own them legally. And he doesn't, I don't let him use them. He doesn't actually have active access to them. He lives in my house and he says stupid things on the internet, but these are my guns. So my conclusion is this is coming down fast. Like, it's not like, well, red flag laws could be abused. I feel like the purpose is you could probably disarm every single gun-owning American or half of them in this country if the standard is unsubstantiated reports of stupid things your kid said on the Internet. Yeah, I'd say you could round them up pretty quickly if that's the criteria. Right. And so I look at this stuff as being ways to use the system, the criminal justice system or the legal system, the mental health system for policy purposes. So I don't know what's up with Uber. I mean, my guess is Uber is a source of major surveillance and it will be a source of, or this is like, I think the big picture goal is going to be a source of uh, introducing driverless cars, which means you don't own them anymore. A real cordoning off of our ability to have guns Gold and a getaway. Here's guns and and the getaway getting targeted. Uh, I think that it's just it's just an exploitation of the criminal system uh, or the government at the expense of individual rights for political purposes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that plays into. Didn't you unearth something about Lori Lachlan? I feel like she's she's another victim like that. Yes, actually, a few minutes ago. Her Full House co-star, John Stamos, came out and made really a pretty shocking statement about the whole scandal. Oh, he, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was shocking. I just thought it was, it was I, I, uh, I, It's outrageous. He said really? to— Really? Yeah, what? Yeah, he said to GQ a little while ago, he said, I got to be careful. I want to wait until the trial happens and then talk about it. Honestly, I can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense. So a really radical statement of being reasonable— to GQ. <laughs> yes. Was it reported as radical or unusual? No. Right. I'm sure but it will be by, by eventually. Yeah. It just came out a few minutes ago. So, so he white thinks- nationalist uh, John Stamos <laughs> defends Lori Laughlin. Is he scratching his head about this? Is that the upshot? That's what it looks like. It looks like he doesn't understand. 
comes off as though he's reacting kind of like we are, as though he, it doesn't, he doesn't seem, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. Right. Like, what's the crime Doesn't consistent here? with his, his, what he would expect It doesn't her, seem right? like it. No. It doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. So I do want to keep an eye on that because that is one of those cases. So yesterday I was talking about, I can't, I don't believe anything anymore because fake news <laughs> is so pervasive that it's impossible to, to weed it out. But I do think kind of like the way three-dimensional chess has like different moving parts, I believe that a lot of these stories aren't really very sophisticated or deep if they, are, they don't expect people to really scratch the surface. Like yesterday with the Epstein hearing, nobody expected anyone to investigate those, the women who showed up. And then I was just like, that chick is an actual bona fide actress. And if that's not part of their story, then it's, they're deliberately not saying it. And similarly with the Lori Lachlan thing, as soon as you told me that she, you always thought she was a stand-up chick and had, but, uh, and that she had conservative and religious values, I was like, that doesn't make sense that she would be a lion thief. And I, yeah, I and saw a I story she is. about her where it was like, she's distancing herself from her Hollywood friends, spending more time in church. And it was framed as though it were a bad thing. Oh my gosh. She probably is asking God why she has to has to go through this I'm because sure. she probably, she seems to me, it seemed, this is why I investigated it because looking at it, she just seems sincere, like sincerely wanting to do the right thing. And what you pointed out, which was her daughter was a, a YouTube star. Yep. She's not getting into USC. And the fact is when you scratch the surface, she would have gotten in and she was getting in and Lori Lachlan was scammed. Her daughter so, flipped off the media in a post recently after they had spent weeks saying that she's been fighting with her mom. Turns out that wasn't really true, so she gave the media a big uh, middle finger, and it was pretty funny. Well, once you really... I mean, that, that's what they got to worry about. Once you've got nothing to lose, like Bill Cosby, when he... Get, I, I think he'll win on appeal, too. When he gets out, he's going to... I assume there's no stopping him, so they might have to heart attack him real Jeez. soon. So, uh, speaking of bad judgments, I think the Johnson and Johnson opioid judgment that was announced yesterday or the day before is bad law. I think they'll probably win on appeal. It was $600 million. I think it was in Oklahoma where they have to pay for like rehab and stuff because they, as the lawyer said, something to the effect of maliciously, what do you say? Maliciously and diabolically created the opioid epidemic in our state. And it goes to, so the, it goes to, they say that they had misleading marketing and were very aggressive with their sales reps. And they, the way the pharmaceutical company works with their aggressiveness towards sales reps is pretty crazy. But you're talking to a libertarian here. I don't believe in any of that. It wouldn't exist if it weren't for the highly regulated state. God gave us poppies. God did not, not give us synthetics. He gave us poppies. We're supposed to use it. And I, I never understand why anyone who champions gun rights as their God-given right, which I agree with, doesn't also champion drug rights for the same reason. Gun rights are like, well, society is less safe. Well, it's not about society. It's about me defending myself. It's like, oh, drug. why do you object to drug rights? Well, it's bad for society. It's like, no, no, no. We have the right. If we're not responsible enough to use them, that's the problem. And that really goes to this whole case where are they either there's an element of free will here. Are you responsible enough? If you're being 
defrauded, if you're being truly deceived, then you have a case. You have a tort case that you can bring against Johnson & Johnson, and they will have to pay you personally for the damages you suffered or that you suffer from having lost a family member or whatever. That would be a very hard case to win. These are not those cases. These cases are thousands of governments suing these companies. Well, this was yesterday, Johnson & Johnson, and I read it, and I thought that they would win ultimately on appeal because the judgment was based on calling Johnson and Johnson a public nuisance. And a public nuisance is the first, is a real expansion of that term. It generally means it's, it's the law that surrounds how you using your property affects other people. So if you're super noisy, then somebody else on your own property, somebody else using their property is interfered with, or like the Connecticut chick who had a, like a, a chimpanzee that ripped her friend's face off. Like, it, like they had no wildlife laws there. Uh, but it would, you don't need an outright law. It's a public nuisance. That's like a common law thing, I think, would be how it is. In, it probably is a common law uh, definition. So anyway, so it's, but this is a public nuisance. It does not apply to that. They're not just using their property in a really obnoxious way that affects other people. This is, they're making a product that people have to buy and accept and use voluntarily. That's it. You know, so there are, I think it would overcome just because of the premise that they used, but there is a couple of wrinkles there. One is the very next day, which is today, Purdue Pharmaceuticals, which I think is privately owned. They keep talking about the family that owns it. I don't know if there are any public shares at all. But like with Johnson & Johnson, when they pay, you pay. That's the money that's in your 401k. That's in your pension. That's, we all, that's our access to capitalism is that we have those little shares. Now, today, Purdue basically gave up. And they are they are settling with those two thousand cases. And when you read it, it looks like they're real cases by people, but they're not. They're they're governments that are going after these guys. They're settling to the tune of twelve billion dollars. So they are they are they are bankrupting their company for this settlement, and then it's going to become a public trustee, and the assets are going to work off to pay for rehab centers. But the real problem with all of this is it's a highly regulated industry that when you're in a highly regulated industry, like when I was in investment banking, you you are not allowed to substitute your own judgment for the law. And specifically in medical stuff, which I learned in law school, malpractice is not about you doing something wrong. It's about you doing something that is not the practice. So what the American Medical Association or common practice is, is your standard, even if you don't believe in it. If you're supposed to bleed people to get them over AIDS or whatever, that's that's what you have to do, even if you know it's wrong or open yourself up to liability. So it's the standards and the regulations that you are required to adhere to. And as a matter of fiduciary duty, you would have to operate your business to the extent that you're allowed to in order to maximize shareholder values. They are not making you responsible personally. They are telling you what the ethical limitations are. So I, this, this is a very bad ruling in my opinion. And it, it, so there's a couple of ways that I look at this. It's, it fits, well, first of all, the fact that the private company went under and Johnson and Johnson might win on appeal means to me it's going to hit it hits the smaller companies private companies much harder because they are not going to be able to fund maybe it's proportional to how much they sell but Johnson and Johnson sold the underlying 
materials to a lot, a lot of different people. And their judgment of $600 million is very small compared to the $12 billion that's putting Purdue out of business. So I don't know if Johnson Johnson is going to end up on top as other people get shaken out here. I don't know if this is a play that will, will consolidate pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies at the very top. It could be. But I had a kind of bigger picture theory about what was going to happen in the drug world anyway. And it started with when I, uh, when pot first started to be legal, I said, okay, pot makes up 70% of the black market for drugs. Where are the black operations money going to come from? Either the NSA is going to take over all black ops because they're kind of blind funded, unlike the CIA that needs congressional funding for operations, or they're going to replace that money with heroin, with stuff that's still illegal. And I, I, I don't know if I nailed it right out of the gate or it took me a while, but I quickly realized and wrote about it that they seems like they are really loosening up their prescription standards. They're really kind of creating a prescription opioid problem by having very loose kind of guidelines. And if they pull back on that, they will drive everybody into the black market for heroin. And actually, my sister died in just that way. She wanted her opioids. I mean, she's a longtime drug addict, but this is in 2017. She wanted her opioids. She couldn't get them. So she made a suicide attempt, which she had said before people do when they can't get the drugs they want. And I think she thought that she was going to get the drugs she wanted. And she came out of the coma she was in. And when she went to, she, they, they institutionalized her against her will for 60 days and cleaned her up. And when she got out, she didn't have the drug she wanted. So she went and got heroin, which was laced with fentanyl. And she died within 24 hours, I think, as predicted. I mean, we knew you can't do that to a junkie. So uh, that's how it works. And that's how uh, I felt like they were doing that. So my feeling was without being able to, maybe they're hitting the opioid companies to dry up the supply to have this massively chilling effect. And then at that point, it if the legal avenues dry up from every avenue, if you chill them, then people will be driven into the black market without your needing an obvious uh, a law, having to pass a law, changing the regulations, changing the guidelines, which they are also doing that. It's just my theory. This whole thing fits into what I kind of thought might be coming, and uh, we'll see if it if it works out that way. But I think it's a bad judgment, and I my guess is that Johnson Johnson would win on appeal, but it'll be too late for Purdue. All right. Well, you guys can find your drive time prop every afternoon at 4 p.m. on the PropReport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We'll talk to you next time.